The scripture reading for this day is from the book of Exodus, chapter 2, beginning at verse 23. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out. Out of the slavery, their cry for help rose to God. God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a burning bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer, remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the Lord God, the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have also seen how the Egyptians oppress them. So now I will send you to Pharaoh and to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that is, I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me begin by showing you my Bible. I have here the last page in the book of Genesis. Here is the first page in the book of Exodus. When I turn this page, it may not seem like a very big deal to you, but that one page turn represents 430 years of history. The book of Genesis, right here, ends with Joseph and his brothers reconciling with one another, and the entire family then moves down to Egypt to live, to be cared for by Joseph. It's a big reconciliation, bringing the world together again, bringing this family together again. We learned in Genesis that God is always trying to do that, always trying to mend the world, and that God always starts out small, right within families, to mend the entire world. 
God begins putting families together again. Families like Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, Jacob and Esau, Joseph and his brothers. Now, now in the book of Exodus, we see how God is striving not only to heal individual families, but to heal human society itself. What do you suppose happened to the Hebrew people when they moved down into Egypt 430 years before the book of Exodus? Well, during those 430 years, some important things happened, especially to first. They had lots of babies, lots and lots of babies. And the Bible says that the Hebrew people became exceedingly numerous. The second thing that happened was that the Hebrew people were forced into slavery. If you remember our study of Genesis, God looked at human families, saw brokenness and dysfunction, and worked to bring those families back together again in peace and harmony. And that's exactly what happens at the end of Genesis. Now, God is looking at human society and the injustice that the Hebrew people were experiencing. God saw this inequity. He saw that it was wrong. It was a sign of brokenness and dysfunction at a societal level. And in today's lesson, God begins to mend society. As an aside, I wonder what God is saying today about the dysfunction and brokenness in our world. Well, anyway, let's stick for a moment to the text from from Exodus. God now in this story that we heard a moment ago begins mending society, starting out small like God did in Genesis. Here in Exodus, he starts out with the most unlikely of characters, a man named Moses. Some of you may have seen movie portrayals of Moses. A generation or so ago, maybe more than a generation ago, Charlton Heston played the part of Moses in the Ten Commandments, a blockbuster movie. Now, Charlton Heston, if you don't know, was tall, handsome, broad-shouldered. He could have been a linebacker or a tight end in professional football. In our generation, the movie Gods and Kings presented Moses as a warrior adept at swordplay. Well, the real Moses was neither. The real Moses was probably short and awkward and hesitant. It says in the Bible that he did not speak well in public. In my Crossways Bible study class, I often say that the character of Moses should be portrayed more by a Don Knotts character than a Charlton Heston character. Why? Because God always works through people who are ordinary, through people you would never expect, through people who are powerless. God always works through people like that, and that includes you and me. One day, Moses was herding his sheep and goats. Moses was confronted by God in what is called a burning bush. Too often, we think of burning bush as some unique Moses experience. We get too literal about it. 
The burning bush was simply a metaphor for God touching Moses with a deep spiritual insight, a glimpse of the divine and the holy, a sense of purpose and direction for his life. The, quote, light of the burning bush, again, simply a metaphor for spiritual insight. You've heard phrases, I saw the light, or a flash of insight, or a candle in the darkness. It's always darkest before the dawn. Or remember in the Bible, the star at Bethlehem when Jesus was born. Or Paul on the road to Damascus and experiences a light that blinds him. Or the book of Revelation filled with imagery of spiritual insight that is related to light itself. The burning bush then, it's not a bush. It was God calling Moses. And I'm absolutely convinced that you also have had some burning bush moment. Or you will. Your burning bush moment is unique to you. It was that moment, if you remember, when you knew God was speaking to you. It was that moment when you experienced something holy and beautiful and right. It was that moment that you sensed the world could be different from the way it was. Do you remember that insight? Do you remember your enthusiasm and your idealism? Do you remember how you were ready to make a difference in a broken and dysfunctional world? That's God at work in your life. That's your burning bush moment. And the odd thing about burning bush moments, or we sometimes call them mountaintop moments, is that we often hesitate as soon as we experience it. We don't follow up. We think of some excuse. We can't believe that we, ordinary people that we are, could make a difference. Moses felt that way. He came up with every excuse under the book to avoid the calling to mend society itself, the world itself. Who? Me, Moses would say. Who will listen to me? No one will change because of me. And God said, that's right. The world will not change because of you. It will change because of me. Moses, Moses, all I want you to do is speak the truth. All I want you to do is to allow my love to flow through you, my justice to flow through you. And Moses, with his little walking stick, made his way to the court of the superpower Egypt and confronted the Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the entire world. It reminds me always of Mahatma Gandhi and the newsreels that I saw of Gandhi dressed in a white cloth robe with a short walking stick making his way through London to go to Parliament and call for justice for his people who had been oppressed for generations. That's what Moses was like. The world remains broken and dysfunctional to this very day. When God looks at our world, what group of people do you think are like the Hebrew people of old? Who are the ignored ones? The wounded, the poverty-stricken, the demeaned, 
the ridiculed. God sides with those people. God does not side with the rich and the powerful. God does not side with Pharaoh or the superpower Egypt. God opposes and confronts the powerful. Not only to set the oppressed free, and this is important to remember, but to also redeem the powerful. Remember, God wants to mend a broken world. God does so with individual lives, God does so with families, and God does so with our society, our world. And those who oppress others, those who ignore the plight of the downtrodden and the broken, they must be stopped. Yes. They must be corrected. Yes. And they must be redeemed. God's ultimate purpose is to rebuild a world of equality, justice, compassion, and peace. God's desire is not simply to set the downtrodden free and crush the oppressor. God's desire is to convert the oppressor. It's like the quote of Martin Luther King Jr. who said, Only love can turn an enemy into a friend. Martin Luther King Jr. wanted to convert the oppressor. Your calling and mine is the same as Moses. Your burning bush moment and mine is a calling for us to change the world or at least one small part of this world. And we can do that. Moses was insignificant, ordinary, yet God chose him and God chooses us because we are ordinary too. Together, with God's help, we will set the oppressed free and we will convert the oppressor. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Most holy God, We praise you for the story of Moses and the burning bush. And we acknowledge before you that sometimes we are just like Moses, that we have heard your voice, your call, and yet we hesitate. Give us courage and strength, O Lord, to trust that it is you working through us to change this world, to mend this world. At other times, O Lord, we acknowledge that we are like Pharaoh, that we ourselves are the oppressors, and that we are the ones who need confrontation. We are the ones who need to change. We are the ones who need to be redeemed. Help us, Almighty God, to be open to critique, to be willing to change, and to help mend this broken and dysfunctional world to make it be the kind of world you always intended, a Garden of Eden world of peace and compassion, justice, and kindness to the world. We pray for all these things, and we ask your blessing upon us this day. In Jesus' holy name, amen.